Hello, welcome to Scarabaldi Reds. Not in Forest yet to make their first summer signing, but panic not, as this time last year, only Tyro or one year joined the club after promotion. Dean Henson will be the second signing, and I'll be discussing him, Callum Hudson, the Doy, Emmanuel Dennis, and a couple more in the company of Michael Temple. Temps, morning, how are you? Yeah, enjoying the silence, I think. It won't be long, will it, before those waves start, those press releases uh, begin and we start to get excited all over again. I, I, I think it will be a very active um, transfer window, although what we were experiencing uh, this time 12 months ago um, was was even more extreme. I was flicking through uh, the transfers by date just to work out how many players are signed by this point. And it was, it was basically one a day through July, but at this point it was just Tyro and then I think it was Henderson and Bianconi and uh, Niakate, Williams. It just flew from there. But yeah, as you say, I think it is going to pick up soon. We're in this bit of a holding pattern. Um, before we start, thanks to everyone who came along to the live shows. Great success. I know we had a great time. Hopefully everyone who joined us at the Trent Navigation did. And we'll do some more of those in future, uh, perhaps September, October, maybe during an international break. And then again in the winter. Um, right. Let's start with Henderson. It's really dragging on. There's this mad situation with United where, according to reports, they offered him 375 grand a week. He said yes. You know, who wouldn't? Then they withdrew the offer, slashed the wages, and he still might sign it. I mean, I think I'd walk away if I was him on principle. But what do you make of the situation from a Forest point of view with Henderson? Would you be getting a bit twitchy yet or plenty of time to get it over the line? I think all that's going on with Henderson is a negotiation on on fee between the, the two clubs. He's an English qualified keeper with, with 10 years left at his prime. So um, he does command a fee. And we, we've seen numbers suggested um, at any point between 15 million and, and 30 million. I think anywhere around the, the 20 mark is exceptional value. I think his market worth is probably high 20s, although he's not calling on any kind of bidding war. He's made it quite clear uh, that, Forest is where he wants to be, where he's very comfortable last year. If that wasn't going to be his long-term um, destination, there's no reason why he wouldn't have gone back to, to Manchester for his rehabilitation last season. So no panic from me. Dean Henderson will be a Forest player. I don't think we need to look at alternatives and we can understand why Man United perhaps um, aren't in any position to do an express deal uh, with so many issues surrounding David De Gea. And a bit of a saga going on with them trying to extract a keeper from Inter Milan as well. So, yes, yeah, slightly complex one, this one, but not on Hendo's part, just because of the uh, the mire that Manchester United have got themselves in um, with, with, in their goalkeeping ranks. But um, rest assured, he'll be starting that first game for Forest uh, when, the, when the season gets underway. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll happen. It just feels... Like United are a bit of a mess in general, and it seems like they're struggling to get their own house in order. But I think Henderson will sign. I mean, you feel like uh, you, Henderson's burnt his bridges there, hasn't he? That interview he did was when he signed for Forest. Uh, I think the phrase they reported locally in the Manchester media was he pissed off Ten Hag, uh, and I don't think that's going to change, even if you know De Gea goes. I think they play Tom Heaton ahead of Henderson, wouldn't they? Yeah, I understand his mindset. I mean, on, on form, he, he probably had every reason to think that he was going to ease past David De Gea, whose highlight reel is exceptional, but his, his blooper reel um, isn't, isn't far off that either. So in, in many ways, Hendo is um, a, a safer pair of hands. I think his 
um, his his window of performance is between those two extremes of of, of David De Gea, where you're never quite um, sure which version of him um, you're going to get. He's the he's the player that I want. I think he's shown to be compatible um, with with the club. Forest aren't blessed with a a, a Premier League ready backup. I don't think Horvath is going to um, challenge him. Um, anytime soon. Just as a brief aside, I think it's really interesting to see how it's played out for for, for Bree Samba as well, um, who was exceptional last season. Um, fell out with Forrest over over money. Wanted to triple his wages from a, a relatively modest number to what would have been a, a modest number for the for the Premier League. But he's um, he he did the the right thing in the sense that he backed himself, went went to, and found a contract in. In League One in, in in France, and and now he finds himself with a with a French cap, and he's a a regular understudy in that in that squad. So there are um, other options out there. If this does go sour, I understand Henderson's mindset. Um, I'd I'd imagine he's pretty relaxed, just waiting for things to drop. I'm sure he'd like for it to be sooner rather than later, so we can get in at Forest and have a have a proper um, preseason. But yes, I think he's uh, he's burned his bridges. At Man United, if it's not De Gea, it's going to be a man from Inter Milan at Old Trafford next season. And as I said before, Hendo's going to start as far as number one. Um, let's move on to Callum Hudson-Odoi. Before we do that, I'll dip into the comments. Since it's only me and Temps, I'll probably flash up a few more comments than normal. Um, this is about Fabio Carvalho from Liverpool. He's a good player. He's going to Leipzig, I think, on loan, I saw earlier. But that's that kind of player fits the bill. Um, Hudson Adoy, we touched on him earlier. I remember a few weeks ago, and it was quite notional then. But I saw, you know, it's reported in more and more um, reputable outlets. I guess I don't know whatever the phrase is. Saying it's <laughs> uh, Fulham, Milan, and Forest are the three in the race. Before we talk about chances of getting him, what do you think about him as a as a player? He's not had a great few years, but he's obviously got potential still. Yeah, he. I mean, look, he, he broke for a young, didn't he? I think his England debut was at, at eighteen. A lot of lot of interest um, from from Europe. I think Bayern Munich were his potential suitor at that time, and he, he was he was given a five year contract by Chelsea, um, rumored wedge of one hundred and twenty grand a week. So if he was to sign for Forest, he'd he'd be one of, if not the um, highest earners in the squad. One year left on that deal, clearly not part of Chelsea's. Uh, plans and and has to be sold now. I think that the challenge you've got there is when agents are confirming potential suitors to outlets like The Guardian, what they're doing is communicating that their client is available um, and and trying to get into a a bidding war or at least a war on on personal for personal terms. Um, His agent made it quite clear in that piece that he's not one of these guys that's going to follow the, the gravy train to Saudi Arabia. So I think you will see um, Hudson Odoi at another Premier League club next year. Fulham perhaps are our biggest competition to to sign him, uh, but the profile of player he is, the age that he's at, the pedigree is at, the fact that he's he's through that uh, Achilles injury and um, feels back and ready to to have a full season of the Premier League is is, is testament to the, the kind of supermarket that we, we find ourselves um, shopping in now. And I think if that rumored fee of fifteen million is accurate. He'd be exceptionally good value. So, in terms of actually getting him, on one hand, you've got Milan, which is you know a decent place to go. Secondly, you've got Fulham already in West London. You're probably already set up there, and then you've got Nottingham, which we know is a lovely city. But uh, 
as Greg Orn says, the Steve Cooper relationship might be our biggest hand in trying to get him. But do you feel like Forrest are probably third in a three-horse race in terms of the chances of getting him or not? I think the, the Cooper relationship certainly helps him settle and gets the best out of him once he's through the door. But this it's finance that gets gets this one done. Um, an, an England capped player of that age with that potential who's found himself a, a club awash with um, competition, too much competition and difficulties. And he's now having this kind of um, fire fire sale uh, demonstrates that he's he's in the in the wrong place. But yeah, Cooper will get the best best out of him. It's finance that gets him through the door. And we have to decide if if we're willing to, uh, I was going to say break our wage structure. Our, our wage structure has to get to this point, right? If we're, if we're going to be a, a mid-table Premier League team, but he probably wants to be in that 120k to 150k a week um, bracket. And to, to stretch to, to that level, you have to be pretty confident that he's he's going to be a, a week-in, week-out um, performer for your team. However, if we can compare and contrast him to this, in the stage of career that he's at, um, uh, as, as opposed to a Jesse Lingard kind of figure, for me, there's, there's far more sense and longevity in the deal of this type, where he's, he's going to have a value throughout the term of his contract um, and, and could indeed be sold at a profit at some point in the future if that's how far are going to look to trade through these these next next few windows. So, yeah, Cooper's uh, presence will, will be a factor for sure. Um, but I, I think the finance has to be there to get him through the door at Forest. Yeah, I like it as a signing. The only things, I mean, there's a couple of things that worry you. Like, he's never put up amazing numbers. Even when he was at Chelsea and playing regularly, he was playing well without too many goals or assists. And he's had a lean spell. But like you say, he's only 22. And he's obviously very talented. And I think Cooper and his staff could get more out of him. It's, it's perhaps where he fits in. And again, I'm like, does he does he get in the team straight away? I'm not not sure. But it's a squad game, as we saw ever more last season. Um, he played a bit of right wing back as well. Let's not forget. We under, did, under two yeah. yeah. So I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be that that thought process will be there as well as a as an, a very attack minded yeah. um, wing back in a in a diff, in a different mould to, to to Serge Aurier and, and perhaps um, slightly more accomplished than, uh, than than Nico at this at this point. That that might be a factor. I think any player that we sign who's you know, English qualified, um, has a previous relationship uh, with the manager and that ability to, to fit in at different uh, points around the park can only be a good thing. Mm, yeah, right side in a 3-4-3 with Brennan in front of him would be interesting. I don't know if we could get away with that or not, but an interesting one to monitor. Um, if he were to come in, uh, it would probably mean that Emmanuel Dennis goes. We've spoken about him before. He's linked with Leeds. Um, Richard in uh, Oklahoma says, can we make a trade NFL style uh, and do Adams for Dennis? I think there'd be some cash attached with that as well. What do you think about Dennis to Leeds dropping down to the championship? They do have money to burn. We see with Leicester, they're signing Connor Cody and Harry Winks for about 18 million between them. Just because you get relegated doesn't mean you don't have cash. So does it sound feasible to you? Yeah, sounds like a transfer that makes sense uh, to, to both sides. You can see him um, perhaps being a 15 to 20 goal man in the Premier League. And, but beyond that, having that, that creative quality, um, that ability to, to, to run very directly at fullbacks. And um, at that level, you'd back him to, to make an impact. Um, we, we spoke about the fact that it didn't quite work out for him at Forest. I, I thought he's a, a value um, impact player from the bench. Um, pulled out performances like Fulham away, where he, he came on for 
um, half an hour and, and, and made a difference. But it's it's an expensive um, wage and a 70 million transfer fee invested to have him um, sat on the bench. We've had a few misses who can't be moved on for cash. But I think Emmanuel Dennis's body of work, his um, goals with with Watford, um, the, the age that he's at, uh, is, is suggestive that we, we can get a fee for this guy. There will be some competition for his signature. And if Leeds aspire to, to bounce back at the first attempt, I can see why um, they, they perhaps feel he could be a, a, a good fit for them. Plenty of players within their ranks that I think um, we, we could potentially um, look to have Dennis as part of a make-weight in a, in a deal. Um, we, we've spoken about a couple in the past, haven't we? Non, Nonto, um, obviously. Uh, there's there's two or three guys there that I think we should we should be sniffing around. But if we can earn ten to fifteen million quid to to pack Emmanuel Dennis off to off to Leeds as part of our plan to reinvest in the squad, then yeah, that's a that's a transfer that I'd endorse. Yeah, I see Gary in the comments mentioned Nonto. He's an interesting one. I didn't see that much of him play last season because I think he got dropped by Allardyce because he wouldn't defend. Um, but they couldn't defend anyway, so I'd have I'd have played him. He looked good. He's Nisley International at like nineteen. And he's apparently valued at 15 million, which seems a good price. Um, he's in that mould, isn't he? There's a uh, wingers with a that are quite raw that you need to work on, but he's very talented, certainly. But if Dennis is still here next season for me, I don't mind it either. Like you say, as an option off the bench, and he's kind of a scenarios player, isn't he? If you're chasing a game and you need a goal and you, you don't need someone to defend, I mean, he is still a good player in that sense, isn't he? And when he started. He did put up decent numbers. It's just like we said on the live show. I think it was Nigel Jemson said, you don't know what you're going to get from him and he doesn't know what you're going to get from him either, does he? <laughs> I just think it's within him. So like that moments like the the dinked finish against Newcastle, um, the header against Wolves from the from the Gibbs White cross, there's there's moments of of absolute quality. There's a there's a player in there. He's he's played um, plenty of international football and he's 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 been around it with Bruges in the Champions League and with uh, Watford and, and Forrest in the in the Premier League. It, it's within him. I think he needs to be shown some love. Um, he needs a run in a side. Um, he just he's just in that kind of weird in between position. I don't think any of us are particularly campaigning for him to start for Forest week in week out. Um, but but nor did we see any lack of effort, desire, any sign that he's a bad apple, any need to force him out the door. He's kind of becoming a bit of a, a grey man um, in the squad. We're kind of ambivalent if he if he stays or he goes, but it's um, it's not a disaster in either scenario if he makes an impact for us or if we get some cash on the way out. So yeah, I'm 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 kind of neutral on Emmanuel Dennis. I know that's not how how you should typically behave. You're the that, only person that's that's situation. <laughs> no one's neutral on Emmanuel Dennis. I you either love I him or not. But I, hopefully that point lands that he's um, he, he's he's not a it hasn't been a disastrous signing. There's some residual value there if he stays he'll be on the bench week in week out and he could nick a couple of goals needs to have a big uptick in form if he's going to become a starter um likewise as i said 15 million on the way out maybe good business all around yeah i quite like this comment from gary no contact with team players there is a bit of a disconnect i suppose between him and the pattern of play and the tactics i think that's a good way of summing him up but i do think i mean we've said this a lot i think he's a very talented player and he could go somewhere and be the man and really step up. But I'm not sure it ever works at Forest uh, under the, the current structure. Someone else mentions Adam Ola. Luckman who almost signed for Leicester, but he's had a good season. 
at Atalanta, and I don't think he's obtainable probably. Jack Harrison from Leeds as well, but he plays in Brennan's position, so I'm not sure uh, he's one unless Brennan goes, which we discussed at length as well. <laughs> so uh, not sure about that. Um, a couple of other players to touch on quickly. One in particular, uh, Danilo, there was this kind of tentative piece in ESPN Brazil about Scarpa and Danilo. What saying Scarpa's definitely staying and Forrest think that they'll struggle to keep Danilo beyond January if he plays well because top clubs are going to come in for him. I mean, that's all quite notional, isn't it? But it's also kind of plausible. You know, you see with players, they play really well for six months and then big clubs come looking. But that's kind of what Forrest want as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, what, what is his level? Is, is it a similar plan to when um, Tevez and Mascarano landed at West Ham, knowing that once they're in that shot window and prove they could live with the level, um, the, the big move and the, and the money would, would follow? Um, I think Danilo's um, potential is, is, is probably unmatched in the Forest squad in terms of what he, what he could become. He's got all the physical attributes uh, we, we've seen his his eye for a, a goal as as well. Um, a, a couple of great strikes back end of last season that demonstrated what what he could be, and he's he is doing that in a back foot team at the moment. So yes, he will be being watched by um, big six clubs in the UK and across Europe. But the length of contract um, that he that he signed uh, means that if he's going to go out, it's going to be for an exorbitant fee. And if he doesn't, he's got so much time and room to grow that you hope Forrest can get to a level where they can look to keep players like Danilo. So for me, um, unless it was an astronomical bid, selling him in the next two windows would not be the, the way to go. I'd, I'd want to have at least another 18 months of um, Danilo at Forrest before we even consider um, where he is, what he's going to become. Because whatever you're valuing him at now, I just can't help but think that after um, another... 18 months, two years in the Premier League, that's going to increase. He's an asset that needs to be nurtured. He proved back end of the season that once he'd had a, a bit of a break, so he was coming off a, a 60-game season in Brazil, and he did look a little bit lost in a couple of games. I think it was Leeds at home where he got whipped with 30 minutes to go, just looking tired and, and, and all at sea. Um, he became, probably along with Yatesy, one of the first names on the on the team sheet. He's Remo Freuler out. And made a made a real case for for himself. He's going to start the season with more expectation. He's going to start the season at the heart of Forest's midfield. He's going to become a hell of a player. But I really, really hope that we've we've got a plan to to hold him for at least eighteen months, two years, and then see what the market thinks. Then long contract, no need to have a knee jerk. And he's uh, yeah, he's a diamond that we need to to really look after. Are you still playing him in that box-to-box role? Because obviously we just discussed this before. He was signed as a deeper line player, but I, I think he probably needs a bit more maturity about his game and a, a volume of games to play deeper and dictate games. To me, he's perfect in this box-to-box role now, giving energy and making it you know, a four-man attack, not a three-man attack, which we saw too much last season. What, what do you think? Well, he seems to have um, both facets, doesn't he? There was a, a couple of games last year where he, he was um, holding deep and playing long diags, but but also busting into the box and, and scoring as as he did. Um, it can only be accomplished if he's got that license to make late runs in the box. And someone like um, Yatesy is serving as his minder, screening the back four, having a, a, a bit more of a structured 
um, defensive role. So, so yeah, for me, he he's the he's the box to box man. I think he he can make an impact behind the ball and in front of the ball and on the ball, which is a a rare thing in in central midfield. It's, it's said, isn't it? If you can do two of the three, make goals, make goals, score goals, stop goals as a as a centre mid. Um, you're going to make it in the Prem. I, I think he's one of those that can do all three. And it'll be really interesting to see what his, what his numbers are in a full season um, if he's playing that, that, that number eight role. So, yeah, box to box for me. Just give him some licence. Make sure the mix of players in centre mid allows him to, to do that, i.e. one with a more um, defensive outlook, perhaps a, a passer in there like Oral Mangala. And you can see why the profiles of those three players... Um, allowed for um, such a fertile run of results towards the back end of the season. He was a massive part of that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, as Owen says in the comments, we've finally we spent all season going. I mean, I droned on relentlessly about midfield on this podcast around January time or December. I thought we were just a mess, but finally found that balance. Those three lads uh, created a good formula, and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, if they're going to sign a midfielder, I'm sure, how they amend it and what how they find that new balance. But I think we're pretty well set in that area. Um, a couple of people asking about Ian Nacho from Leicester. It's only come from one website in Nigeria, as far Ooh. as I can tell. I'm not seeing anything concrete. I think he is a really good player, that kind of deep-lying forward, probably more advanced than Gibbs White and more of a fox in the box, but can also drop deep and play that role. And he played a bit like Madison and they got in each other's way a bit and they end up getting dropped, but super talented. I mean, if Forrest were interested, would you be on board with that? He also knows, knows Taiwo very well. I think they're good mates. Yeah, he's look, he's not top of my list. And I think you're right. You have to, you have to give a bit of uh, an assessment to the source when, when these kind of, Rumours drop at this stage of the season. And, and again, you, you can see why. There's an international teammate of his in the squad and well-established. Well um, and yeah, it's, it's somewhere I'm sure he'd, he'd, he'd like to be. It's not much of an upheaval, is it? Moving from Leicester to Forest, getting your Premier League status back and having a couple of mates in the, in the squad. Um, I don't think he's going to be top of our list because we, we don't really play with a deep-lying striker. Uh, the the Gibbs-White role... Um, it's probably the, the nearest and we have akin to that, but it's a, a different different type of type of player. Um, so I'm not attaching too much credibility to, to this one at this stage. We'll see if it develops. But yeah, I, I, I don't think that this is a, a transfer that's um, imminent. And I don't think it's one that's been seeded from the from the forest side. I think it's a bit of agent talk in Nigeria. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I, when I see it quoted from um, a, a more credible source. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he'd be a good signing, but I don't think he's a priority signing. Not when you've got Gibbs White and other players who can sort of play that role, but I'd be on board if it does happen. Um, just dipping in, this is an interesting comment, not on the agenda at all, but about Omar Richards, perception of plan of Omar Richards. Mm. He seems a disappearing act compared to Bianconi. I mean, I, 
I just think he seems like a quiet guy. He was at games. He just kept a really low profile. Bianconi puts out Twitter videos and Instagram videos of him working out in the gym all the time, which is not a problem at all. Fair play to him. But Richards will be doing the work. We need to get back in as soon as as he can. Yeah, that's just a personality type thing. That's not uncommon in all sports clubs. You have some guys that like to um, talk or have you know media teams around them. I think Bianca's brother works for him as well, doesn't he? He's, he's mm. part of that social media world. Where Omar Richards is, is quite in the background doing his doing his bits. I did look back at that um, that highlight reel of his, uh, his his time at Bayern Munich, and there's mm. there's a player in there. I know how tough it is to come back from um, a, a year out with an injury of that severity, but. He was a signing I was excited about, and, and Toffolo was was only ever back up to him. And Lod, the Lodi signing was off the back of the injury and him not being available. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Omar Richards. I think the best of Omar Richards can live with the Premier League. You know, you don't fall out of a club like um, Bayern Munich um, w- without being a far more rounded player than the one that that arrived. So yeah, I think he had a horrendous um, look last year. It's been a a, a pretty horrendous rehab for him as well, right? 12 months in a, in a new club without ever really getting on the grass. So I hope he can make an impact this year because um, he was a signing that excited me. And I, I think he probably can um, live with this level. And Renan Lodi won't be coming back. You know, we this is a, a priority for, uh, for for recruitment if Omar Richards can't fit that bill. So let's let's hope that he does so we're not scrambling late window to sign a left-back at Forest, which has been an all-too-familiar scenario over the last 10 years. Yeah, we don't want to win Nicky Shorey on loan, although he was decent, actually. He did solve the problem for a while, but I think his time might have passed. Uh, I like Richards. When What I saw of him at Reading when he was young, he was very bright there. And obviously, you know, he goes to Bayern Munich, you're going to improve even if you don't play that much. I think he only played... 10 to 15 games or something in his year there, but still a very talented player. Needs to have a big season. You don't want that tag of almost a bit of a joke figure as well, which I feel bad for him because that mental struggle of being injured, but but not being seen and not playing the kind of, oh, does he still exist kind of thing isn't a look that you want. So I hope he does really well this season. Um, Flash this one up from Greg about Turkish media um, saying we've been linked with a winger, I've never heard of him, and Turkish media is absolutely prolific with transfer rumours that come to Sweet FA, so I, I'm not going to uh, grace that one with too much yet, and I literally haven't researched him, so I don't want to comment on it, but it just flashes up how many players Forrest get linked with. They are, I mean, they are agent fodder, aren't they, Temps? Never comment on a play you can't pronounce, Davis. I think that's a, 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 good, rule, a good rule for, for our role, but yeah, we said this before, You've got a, a lot of people out there who are employed to write reports and previews. Then this weird little period back end of June in, into July, column inches are filled with um, speculation and thoughts that player X matches with club Y. So, yeah, be, be very careful um, who, who your source is and don't spend too much time going down rabbit holes watching 10-minute YouTube clips of, of players that may, may, never, may never come near the city ground. So, um, yeah, I'll park that one for now. Uh, moving away from transfers, what do you make of the Adidas kit news, if anything? I said in a message, I'm not really a kit guy, but I know so many fans are. Are you particularly bothered about it? Yeah, I am, actually. I'm very much, <laughs> you are. Very much team Adidas. Um, work with them here at Trent Bridge. We're in contract with Adidas as well. Just the history of, of that brand with our club is forever intertwined. We were joking with Fletch, weren't we, about the Adidas tracksuit he's bought from 
1980. Look forward to seeing him walking into David Lloyd dressed like one of uh, Cluffy Spongemen. But it, I think it, it's just a signifier that um, there's only two retail brands which really resonate with everybody around the world, it's, and it's Nike and Adidas. And for them to have this interest in revisiting Forest, who are served well by Macron, I think their effort on the shirts, on doing something that wasn't um, run of the mill over the last few years has, has been really good. But, you know, you, you've got to behave like the club you want to become and the club that we want to become wears a retail brand, looks the part, appeals to kids coming through in Nottingham who now have a have a, an ability to watch Premier League in their own city without having to follow their dad or their granddad or their mate in supporting Man U, Chelsea, Arsenal or, or whatever. So, yeah, for me, it's a, it's a great brand. It's also a signifier of where we're at. Um, you don't have to look too far online to see that both of the, the kits have, have already leaked. And I think they're they're exceptionally strong. So, so yeah, take my money, mate. I'll be buying both of those. That Adidas, obviously the European Cup team, but that Wrangler kit is a real classic as well. So I do like that. Um, I think the gripe with Adidas seemed to be the, the latter era. I know the players didn't like it at all. They thought they were a bit crap. This was 10 years ago uh, or more. Yeah, 2013 to 2018, wasn't it? So uh, hopefully they're not, you know, now we're a Premier League club. They're not going to be off the shelf stuff. They're going to be a bit more properly designed. And um, so how much is a football shirt? Literally, I show this shows how much I, I buy them. They're like 70 quid now. I think Forest will retail those at what, 60, 65 quid? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 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 the game, right? Interestingly, on the, the the leaks that have been out there, there's still no sponsor on there. I think that the home shirt probably probably needs one for the look. I just think that that away shirt in the the classic Argentina colours just just looks so sweet without. So yeah, interested to see if Forest make a, a move in in that space. You know, for going that um, income at, at this level uh, demonstrates the the wealth and the commitment of the owner. To, to not letting um, assets go on the on the cheap, but I think yeah, with with Adidas on board, uh, now is the time. Hopefully, for the right commercial partner to come along and yeah, make Forest look and feel like the the club that they've they've become. Yeah, hopefully so. And then it can keep season ticket prices lower if they do it. Hopefully, not a betting company, but that's the way the world is today for another another year. When yeah, not for long. Yeah, when is it? And one more year before they stop betting companies on the front of shirts, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think there's yeah. going to be an end on as a ruling, right? No more, no more gambling firms on as principal partners on the on the front of shirts. Um, it's a, a debate which rages on in sport. It's a service that's relevant to a lot of people that that watch it. Not everybody's a problem gambler, and it's you know it's fine to have a have an acre every weekend. I think there's just a, a feeling like tobacco, 15 years ago in F1, that's becoming a bit bit old hat. But um, as I said. Gambling is an industry that's relevant to a lot of Forest fans, and you can see why um, those those firms spend so much to be a part of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I have an acre and lose every week. It's more the overseas <laughs> Chinese and regulated ones, or the ones that you fund these Premier League sponsorships with your pie in the sky ten leg acres. Well, if one one comes in a season, then you feel great, don't you? And you still end up not breaking even. But yeah, yeah, it's an it's a bigger debate, and one we can give proper attention to, and not just bounce around for two minutes here um any other business before we go i was going to talk about the um uh, adam leventhal's interview with Filippo giraldi in the athletic which is probably the first behind the scenes account um of what went on at forest um last year there are a few things that 
uh, I I pulled out. He, he spoke of the the, the internal rumour um, that if if Forrest um, were to lose to Leeds, that Patrick Vieira would have been installed as as Forrest uh, coach. He explains how he made a personal call to um, Evangelos Maranakis to say that these rumours were were unhelpful. Um, and, and ultimately, Giraldi fell on his fell on his sword, didn't he? But he, he spoke of speaking up for Steve Cooper. He spoke of the relationship that he had of him. He spoke about being scarred by the fact he didn't felt he did enough to save um, Javi Garcia's job when Giraldi had the same role at, at Watford. Um, but there were just certain lines uh, in that interview that 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 I found particularly um, interesting. He spoke about Maranakis himself stepping up to finance the the Navas deal, which just wouldn't have been possible if if he didn't have um, such deep pockets and a willingness at that point to 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 spend such high wages. He spoke of Andre Ayew not being a player that had come through the usual um, scouting and analysis, but being a bit of a favour to Cooper, who wanted some familiarity and some depth in the squad uh, with players that he could he could trust. Um, Perhaps most interestingly, he spoke about a tactical change after that a defeat against Leicester when Forrest were well and truly turned over and a discussion between Cooper and, uh, and Giraldi about, or he, the word he said was becoming less, trying to be less spectacular and more efficient by installing that, that low block, that kind of ultra-defensive bank of five and a bank of four, camping deep and, and looking to, to spring teams on the break. And that didn't lead to an immediate upturn in in winning results, but it led to that that run of one all with Villa. I think we lost one nil to Wolves, didn't we? With um, a, a bit of a rogue penalty shout at, at each end, and then had that uh, frenetic game at Brighton where we defended for our lives and, and came out with a with a nil nil. But from from that discussion and that um, that that defensive solidity. And finding a point at which we were able to to keep the occasional clean sheet after I think we went nine or ten games without was was an interesting point. And it was it was a, it was a step backwards to go forwards to win games. We had to stop conceding before we could find uh, more and more ways to score. But that was the uh, the the beginning of the upturn. Players that Giraldi had had a hand in signing, um, like Felipe like Navas, like Danilo, um, came good. And he said of Danilo, he'd been a fan of him for uh, a long, long time, but he was just too young to be even considered a Premier League player when he found himself at, at Watford, but that he had been the one that had, had pushed really hard behind the scenes to get that deal done there, knowing what he thought he could he could become. So, yeah, look, if you if you get the time, worth, worth reading that um, article, real depth, real honesty from... Um, Giraldi, I think it's one side of a story, right? He might mm. be just pumping his own tires, um, but but ultimately he's got no axe to grind. He fell on his sword, and um, I think perhaps played a small part in in in, keep, in Cooper keeping his job, and then Cooper finding a way to to kick on as we as as we did. So yeah, well worth a read if you've um, got a bit of time and, and still want to digest what happened at the back end of last season. Yeah, there was that consensus that he went to bat for Cooper. Um, like you say, it's always one side of the story. It's always you want to hear both sides of everyone who is in the room, but we don't really get to do that with um Forrest all the time. But it was definitely interesting. Uh right. Um we we're all over the place, but there was this is sort of a, a hybrid podcast, hybrid QA. So I'll bounce back into the comments one more time. Uh this was an interesting one. Players in the under 21 squad. Could Tyrese Fauna play in the Premier League? He had a good season at Reading. 
Um, I don't think so. I think maybe the ship sail, maybe he needs to go now from Forest and maybe come back when he's 26 or 25 uh, and just play uh, you know, 150 games in the championship. What do you think? Yeah, it's not a time to experiment, is it? Or even to 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 give youth a chance to um to to a point. You've got to be fully formed to get into this into this squad. And if we look at Brennan Johnson's um, development journey, he had that year on loan in League One, and then a year of Forest in the Championship, and that now he's become a Premier League player. Similarly with with Yatesy, I mean his his loan journey started at um, Notts County, didn't it? Before he was he was pulled back and chucked into League One with with Scunthorpe. It's an evolution. So I don't think Tyrese Fauna is is going to walk into that Forest side anytime soon. There's been a big shakeup of the Premier League Two, which is now a 25 team. A tournament with 16 teams going forward to the to the playoffs um, and interestingly there's, there's more of a development angle to it because it's primarily for under 21s rather than the 23s as it was in the past so there's more of a focus of, of that league being for the development of lads that are under 21 and then when they get to 21 22 chucking them out to um to, to league clubs um for, for loan periods to become more resilient and, and battle hardened so i think that's the likely route for fauna he'll find himself um, back on loan next year. I always love it when a when a player uh, comes through and establishes themselves as, as Yates, Warren and, and Johnson have, but I, I don't quite put him in that same bracket. Dale Taylor's probably the one that interests me. I think 19 playing international football. I saw Johnny Evans speaking about him as being you know, physically mature, but skillful. He's had, a, I think it was five goals in 20 games in League One last season. Probably needs another League One or loan, then a championship loan, then he'd be 21, and then maybe that's when you might be ready for the Premier League. But I think he's the one I'd be keeping an eye on. That's one of the, I mean, there's very few negatives of being promoted to the Premier League, but the pathway is that much harder now, isn't it? So there's such a gap between the Championship and Premier League that it's a big step up from 21s to Forest first team now. You need a bridging loan and you need to nail it, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's brutal. I think you, you've probably articulated it better than I could there. Dale Taylor needs to perform in the championship before he gets anywhere anywhere near the, the Forest side. He had a, a bit of a bit of bench time, didn't he, when Forest were in the championship? But that's that's not going to happen at this this moment in time. Um, I think those discussions will be ongoing now to, to ensure that that group of um, aspirant youngsters who aren't going to get anything from pre- playing for Forest in Premier League Two against other under twenty ones and a, a little bit in the Papa John's Trophy. They, they need those loans. And yeah, I hope Dale Taylor, Dale Taylor finds the right loan that gives him the game time and allows him to become a, a regular scorer at that level because he, he might, just might, have a, have a future at Forest given the, the, what he's done for, um, for in international football at his, at his tender age. Now, Alex Martin's the third one as well, who really needs a successful loan in the Championship or mm. probably just needs to move on from Forest because he's a, a talented lad. But I just don't think we've ever seen the best of him yet, have we? No, well, he got into the side, didn't he, a, a couple of years ago and had that injury against um, Hall City. But that was that was the time when he perhaps looked most dangerous for me. Injury came at the the, the wrong time and Forest just blew up around him and got on this got on this run and he wasn't really part of it. So I, I think... Um, you know, he's going to make it in the game. He's, he's going to have a career as a professional footballer, but I think he's one that perhaps needs a move now. I don't think he's going to um, add anything to um, our, our side at any point in the foreseeable future. And a, a championship move where he gets regular uh, first-team football would be the right thing for him. By no means a, a failure. 
I think he's um, he, he's, he's a very talented footballer. But as you said, Matt, it's just the level. We're looking at this through a different lens now. If we were still in the championship, we'd make a case for um, having him in there, I'm sure. But um, for me, not a Premier League player at this point, unlikely to be in the next couple of years and would be best served by um, finding, finding himself some first-team football elsewhere. Mm, he scored that goal... Was it against Swansea or something where Surrey's got a hat trick and he got the fifth goal or something where he, he bullied a couple of defenders and looked strong? But like you say, there's a player there. We've got this clutch of players, you know, Josh Bowler, the Korean striker, whose name I always forget, who are just on the fringes and you know, we need to move Thank some God. of them on. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I don't think Josh Bowler's going to play for Forest, but yeah, he was a contingency sign if he got relegated, maybe. And Gary says he didn't, uh, mine didn't do very well at Sheffield Wednesday. That's true, but they signed him as a winger and then played with no wingers. So I don't hold that against him. <coughs> Excuse me. Just the way it goes sometimes. A um, couple of bits of quick admin before we go. Quite a few people asking if the second live show is going to be shown. No, it's not. It wasn't recorded. Sorry. But it was really good. I thought it was probably the better of the two. But, um, I would Cheers, say that. Mate. <laughs> Were you on the first one, weren't you? Yeah, I think me and Greg did day one, didn't we? Mate, both both really good. I think um, just just yeah, kudos to you for putting it all together. I think it was a really nice thing to do, and you know, it always blows my mind. We're here chatting away, no idea how many people are out there um, listening, but just just when you and I know you, you you've told me before the kind of numbers that we get, but just seeing that that throng of people at the Trent Nav was brilliant. So well looked after, really well organised, and um, yeah, uh, great great to meet so many people as well. Yeah. Uh, the the interesting bit was the Harry Ars discussion. I wanted to expand on it, but I don't think we've really got time. But it went on for really long between Gemmo and Lewis uh, McGugan, seeing oh, look, both sides me, of the story. Look, let me give you a 30 second edit. So I, I think Gemmo is very much of the mindset I'd want to play. Why would mm. anybody want to sit and take a wedge? Whereas Lewis countered that by saying, well, he's, he's got a family, a mortgage, and, you know, three dogs or whatever. Um, so yeah, you can you can see both sides. You'd like to think if you're in that situation, you'd choose football um, rather than being a professional football trainer. You'd want to go and and, and play somewhere. So I'm I'm going to come down on on Gemmo's side of it. I think I'd uh, I'd always try to find a way. He had an anecdote about Neil Warnock walking in somewhere and telling him that he wasn't his kind of player. <laughs> he needed to needed to be on his way. He took his medicine and and, and did it. So yeah, I I I'd, I'd like to think that the majority would choose to find a way to play football. Um, but Harry Arter and a few others have signed contracts that have been put in front of them and become very wealthy off the back of it. So, yeah, they they can't be blamed then entirely, can they? Yeah, Lewis's contention was that he should have gone in the first year and then when he didn't, he'd messed up there and he screwed himself. But after that, he stuck because you're 33 or whatever you were, 31, you're going to be the biggest paid player at a League One club and they're not going to pay that a guy who hasn't played football for three years and now he's stuck so I, I see that argument as well and it's one that I didn't really consider uh, that's why I like Lewis on this podcast because he gives the the different uh, viewpoint that isn't always the popular one but uh, it was certainly interesting right uh, oh last of the bit of business was well, someone was asking if the Carragher shirt had gone and it has uh, that was raffled off I should say uh, yeah well done Gary Neville that. Gary Neville's in front of me here so ne- next time we'll give away the Gary Neville shirt eh yeah, we'll do that, definitely. Not Gary Neville's not literally in front of you, is he? No, no, I've got the um, the, the Neville signer shirt for us when he, he came in the Nets here with, with Brody and Cara. So, yeah, we've got a, we've got plenty more raffle prizes where they came from, Davis. 
Good, good. We'll save it for the next live show. Right. Uh, thanks very much for everyone who watched. That was very meandering, uh, but it's good to dip into the comments uh, every now and then when we can, uh, when it was just me and Temps. So thank for your support there. You helped us out uh, to make this uh, pretty much full-length podcast. So that was great. Uh, we'll be back next week with um, an interview, all being well. I've been saying in the WhatsApp group, sometimes these interviews are really easy to arrange and they fall into place. Uh, This summer, they're not. (laughs) Proving an absolute battle. So, But we'll try and sort a few out. uh, There's a few irons in the fire. Uh, In the meantime, Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. Uh, Thanks very much, everyone. Have a good week and we shall see you soon.